Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Jesus, who is God, who's all-knowing, all-wise, who always speaks the truth, says to you and I today these words. Would you listen to them with me? Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. We are all kingdom builders. Did you know that? You are a kingdom builder. And Jesus in this scripture reminds us that there are two kingdoms at work in our life. There is our kingdom here on earth. We're building for ourselves. And there's our kingdom in eternity. We're building to be with the Lord. Every day you have these resources at your disposal, which you can use to build these kingdoms. And primarily they consist of things we're very familiar with, time. Uh, All of us are given the same amount of time to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. None of us can complain or use the excuse that someone is blessed with more time to accomplish what they're doing because we all have the same amount of time. We all will have 168 hours this week to accomplish what we want to see accomplished. How we use it depends on us. That's time, then there's treasure. Uh, that speaks to our material resources. And, you know, we think of money, and money is something we spend, something we save. Money is something we invest to accomplish what we truly value. Uh, in fact, you know, this is such an important resource, and time is as well, because our time and our treasure will tell us and others what really matters to us. I've heard the saying, show me your calendar and show me your checkbook, and I'll show you what what you value in your life. In other words, we give our time and money to our most valuable resources, to what matters most to us. Uh, Then thirdly, there's talent. We have talent to accomplish things. We have different kinds of talents and abilities from from one another, thank goodness. But all of us have something that we can bring and use to achieve and carry out meaningful tasks in our life. And then there's training. You, you bring experience that, that others don't have. You bring education to accomplish what it is you're seeking to accomplish. Another resource we have are tools. These are the devices that we use to accomplish what we want to accomplish. We use them to do a better job, to be be more efficient at our job and what it is that we're setting out to do. And then finally, there are ties. Not the ones that men wear with suits, but the ties that we use in connecting to others, networking with others to accomplish what it is we are setting out to build. So these are some of the, the resources we use to build kingdoms. Uh, so let's talk about the kingdoms themselves. So first of all, we, we're going to mention our kingdom on earth. We work and we plan to store up things here on earth. 
We work to earn money so we can provide shelter. We work to earn money so we can provide transportation. We work to earn money so we can buy food to eat. We have these things and they're important to us. I have a house to live in. I have a car to drive around in. I have food to, food to nourish my body. We want to be productive. We want to sustain life. And if we don't work, that's a problem. In fact, the Apostle Paul dealt with this in the church in Thessalonica. Some of the Christians there just stopped working. Maybe they thought they're too spiritual to be involved in physical work. Um, some of them thought, you know, if Jesus is coming back soon, then why bother working? So they didn't do anything. And Paul writes to them saying, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus to settle down and work to earn their own living. The people, these people became a burden to the church. They're prying into other people's business and they're interfering with the progress of the church. And, and, you know, it's true. Those who sit back and observe, we call them armchair quarterbacks. They like to criticize as they sit there idly watching what's happening. It's those who are busy and involved that tend to be the encouragers and the, the builders of the church, right? So Paul's addressing this as a problem. You need to be at work and, you know, you can't be a burden because now the church is having to support you because you're not willing to work. So work here now to sustain your life, but do not make this life, this kingdom on earth, your focus. What we build up here on earth, what we store here on earth is important, but it's temporary. And the problem is we tend to live life and plan life as if this stuff we gather and keep for ourselves is never going to vanish. But our earthly kingdom is temporary because our physical bodies are temporary. Death sees to that. It makes sure our lives here on earth are fleeting. The problem is, while we may talk about the possibility of death, we don't often talk about the certainty of it. We live and build and store up things here on earth as if death is never going to come. It can be said that we live in a death Denying society. I love what Billy Graham once wrote. He said, advertisers do all they can to help us deny the ultimate fact of life. Billions of dollars are spent on, on a cosmetic industry that promises creams and lotions will slow the aging process and make the user look younger. Joggers line the roads often before dawn and workouts at health clubs have become popular ways to keep the body in shape to prolong, prolong life. Fiber is an increasingly prevalent part of some people's diets, as physicians tell us, its ability to reduce the risk of cancer. Many people are giving up smoking to reduce the risk of heart and lung disease. But the irreversible fact is that no matter what your diet, no matter how much you exercise, no matter how many vitamins or health foods you eat, no matter how low your cholesterol, you will still die someday, some way. Now, these are good things. Quitting smoking would be a good thing. Exercise, eating better. They're all important things, but it becomes a problem. We do these things so we can live in denial that our life here on earth is temporary. And we think as long as I look young, as long as I act young, I will never die. That's a problem. 
I remember once we talked about ties earlier in suits. Uh, back in the day when I began the ministry, uh, we wore a lot more suits as pastors back then. And so I'd have to go to the suit store that I frequented to buy and update my suit. And I remember coming face to face with this man, this, this very well-dressed man wearing a wonderful suit. And he had to be in his 90s. He obviously was successful. But I looked at his wrinkly 90-year-old face. And yet his hair was dyed jet brown without any gray. And even his eyebrows. And it looked so out of place to see this perfect, youthful hair on this wrinkly old face. I wanted to say, face it. You're going to die. Just changing, trying to change cosmetically how you look will not change the fact that a day is coming when you will leave this earth. I like the little anonymous epitaph found in the obituary page of a newspaper. It says this, he wore his rubber boots when it rained. He brushed his teeth twice a day with a nationally advertised toothpaste. The doctors examined him twice a year. He slept with the windows open. He stuck to a diet with plenty of fresh vegetables. He relinquished his tonsils and traded in several worn out glands. He golfed but never more than 18 holes at a time. He got at least eight hours sleep every night. He never smoked, drank, or lost his temper. He did his daily dozen daily. He was all set to live to be a hundred. The funeral will be held Wednesday. He survived by eight specialists, three health institutions, two gymnasiums, and numerous manufacturers of health foods and medicine. They all miss him. Even the language of funeral homes, you ever notice? Uh, they, they, they seem to want to deny that death has taken place. A person who has died is said to have departed. The person is stripped of his name and often referred to as the loved one. And these, there are persons that who are trained and are specialists in applying makeup to a dead body to make it look as if they're only sleeping. We live as if death will not come. Zig Ziglar once said, the first step in solving a problem is to recognize that it does exist. And we have a problem here in Houston. We are in a crash course with death. And everything we've accumulated for the sake of our earthly kingdom will one day in one last breath lose all of its value. We need to be preparing today for this certain reality. And a lot of people won't talk about it. But Jesus talks about it, so I'm going to talk about it. The church talks about it. You know, it bothers me when I watch those home shows. And I love watching home shows, but there's people who buy a home or they fix it up and they say this, this is our forever home. You'll hear that a lot. This is our forever home. No, it isn't. The, you're living in denial. On the other hand, I absolutely love how Jesus helps put our life into it's right perspective. In Luke 12, 16 to 21, he tells this story that causes us to stop and think. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. Then he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. So this man was blessed with success here on earth. And now he's a choice to make. He knows he has a choice to make because he says, what should I do? So we read on. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat 
and other goods, right? Listen to what he says. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, do you have enough money or enough stuff stored away for years to come? Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He's living in denial. He's living as if what he has will never perish and he will never perish. He's stockpiling his stuff for a better life here on earth. He makes plans for days to come. But listen what happens next in the story. Jesus says, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? The Bible wants to talk about this, the temporary, the fleeting part of our physical life. In James 4.14, we read today, look here, you say tomorrow or today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while and then it's gone. Some scriptures say it's like the vapor, like out of a kettle. You see it just for a moment and then it dissipates. That's what our life here on earth is like. So Jesus says to us in this story of this, of this man who builds barns, yes, a person is a fool to store up, you get it? To store up earthly wealth here on earth, but not have a rich relationship with God. That's what we're talking about. It's okay to work hard and to be productive, but not at the expense of this relationship, this eternity that you are to have with God. The purpose of our life is not to store up more stuff here on earth. I once saw in, in, in a city, this big fancy RV with this bumper sticker, and you've probably seen this too. It said, he who dies with the most toys wins. And you laugh and you giggle, but there are a lot of people who are living that way. It's like, I'm going to take this life to get the most I can to impress others, to, to be as comfortable, to, to be, you know, as I can be here on earth. But one day, like this guy in Jesus' story, they're going to be in for a shock. They're going to be caught unprepared for what lies beyond death. There is an eternity waiting for us all out there. So let's talk about our kingdom in eternity, okay? Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth. We just talked about that. Store up treasures in heaven. Well, how do we do that? How do we store up treasures in heaven? Well, much the same way that we work here on earth. We mentioned those resources that, that, that we use, time and treasure and talent and training and tools and ties. We use these tools to build and store treasures in heaven. We can do this by first asking ourselves this question. Whatever we're doing, ask ourselves, is there any eternal value in what I'm doing? Is there any eternal value in this work that I'm partaking in? And the answer always won't be yes. But if the answer to this question is no, a lot, <laughs> over and over again, or you're even refusing to answer the question, then there's a pretty good chance you have a, a problem. This whole message began when I was working on an upcoming sermon series on First John. As I'm laying my message out, the first message out, I realized I'm getting excited about this sermon. So I stopped for a moment and I had to ask myself this question. Why? <laughs> Why am I so enthusiastic about this message? So I realized it's because that this sermon or, 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 or any sermon or teaching based upon God's word has the potential to eternally 
influence someone's life. And potential is real because God's word is truth. And so it makes it real. See, the excitement for me wasn't, you know, writing the sermon wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get a paycheck for this. No, it is this. Maybe this word from God that, that I share will impact someone's spiritual life, their relationship with God, perhaps even their eternity. That excites me. We use all of these tools all the time. I see it all the time in the lives of others. We, we, we use our time and our talent and, and all these resources. You, if you're here around our church building, you're going to see Jim and George using all of these to help prepare our building for ministry. You'll see it a lot. They are storing up treasure in heaven. If you lead a life group or you join others in prayer, like at our prayer start, you are investing in treasure in heaven. These things have eternal value. Our worship team, they, they, they come together and they bring their talent and they bring their time. Our worship leader, Manuela, even prepares this list for us, picking out the songs, picking out the keys and arranging them for us. It takes a lot of time, as you can see here in this picture. Uh, in the room that I'm sitting, standing in now, man, uh, Isabel did a lot of the work setting this up so we can meet and practice comfortably here. We have these tools available to us, as you can see, uh, that, that enable us to do this digital ministry effectively. It takes talent. It takes these tools. It takes time. Um, I know Dave will be here after I finish for the rest of the today, sometimes into the evening, preparing what you see now in an hour on Sundays. I know every worship song can easily take up to 10 hours because it's not just the practicing, it's not just the filming, but there's editing and mixing involved. And I know that because last week I did that song, um, When the Rock Won't Move, and it took six hours to do that song. And I came to the church excited, ready in time to, to put it, to give it to Dave, and I watched it on my computer and noticed, oh no, I had this piece of fluff on the side of my head. I'm going like this, all you see is this fluff moving back and forth. I thought, will anybody notice? Of course they're going to notice. My wife will notice. So I had to run back home and redo that part of the filming. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes tools and talents to do all the things that, that we do to eternally invest in these treasures in heaven. And I watch people all the time sacrifice, going the extra mile to do this work in Jesus' kingdom. And I believe there's probably one or, or two reasons maybe why they do this. One, they're extremely grateful for what Jesus has done for them. It's like that, that woman in, in the Bible that they call her an immoral woman ran into to the house where Jesus was eating with tax collectors and Pharisees and she's weeping at his feet because she knows who Jesus is and she knows who she is. She is a sinner. And, and Jesus said to the Pharisees who are, are there and are complaining about this woman, I tell you, he says, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only a little love. For many of us, we realize how much we've been forgiven. The grace that we do not deserve, how it's been given to us. And so we respond out of love by serving and thanking and investing in eternal things. The beginning uh, for, for us becoming wonderfully saved is to confess just how tragic, tragically lost we are.
The beginning of becoming wonderfully saved is to, be, is to confess first how tragically lost we are. And the second reason I believe is these people, they treasure the value of eternity. They get it. They got it into perspective. When we do life groups, like the one we just finished called Anxious for Nothing, what I get excited about was not how interesting the material was, but when it, when it, when I can tell or I heard how it impacted someone's life and their relationship with God, maybe even the eternity. And there'll be people uh, that will come out and say, yes, like this is what it meant. And I go, Yes, this has helped me. This is what it's about. I hope someday, I've said this before, but I'm looking forward. I'm just hoping that when I'm in heaven someday, someone will walk up to me. Some people will walk up to me and say, you know, what you did there on earth mattered and made an impact. And that's why I'm here today. In part, what you did is the reason why I'm in heaven today. That is investing and storing your treasure in heaven. I know there's people I'm going to walk up to and say, thank you for what you did. You don't probably realize it at the time, but it impacted me. And I'm here today because of your faithfulness and your investment in eternal things. I, I often think of my pastor as a kid, Reverend Ross Coward. I want to just pay tribute to him because he was a very quiet man. Uh, I don't think he ever owned a home. And when he retired, I had to live in an old, um, not a very pleasant mobile home. Uh, he didn't have much in the world, but I can imagine what he's enjoying in heaven today. He, he taught me in Sunday school. The pastor taught the boys class because I think no one wanted to teach the boys class because, well, we were boys and kind of rowdy. In heaven, I want to tell him what that meant to me. He, he took my sister and I to church camp when my mom couldn't because she was working. And he always stopped at this one ice cream store and buy us an ice cream cone. I will never forget the day he took me to my hockey game. And after the, he watched me play hockey, and after he took me to the A&W for lunch, that meant a lot to me. I still think about that today. It inspires me to love others in the same way because of what he did for me, and I know what it meant. One of my uh, closest friends uh, is David Millen. He's a pastor. He lives in Alberta. He's in his 70s and retired now. But one day we're talking about Reverend Coward, and, he's, and he said, I remember when I was seven years old, Dave said. He, his dad was a pastor in PEI. He grew up in PEI. And Dave and his family moved to Ottawa, where his dad was taking a new church. And he was seven years old. And there, meeting him at the train station, he said, was Reverend Ross Coward. He took them out to lunch. And Dave said, that's the first time I ever ate in a restaurant. He was seven years old, had never eaten in a restaurant. I asked him this week about this experience. He wrote me back saying, on April 15th, 2021, just recently, the McMillan family celebrated the 65th anniversary of their arrival in Ottawa. We shared our memories, including memories of our first restaurant meal. I was seven years old. April 15th, 1956, Ross and his wife met us at the train station along with the Forrest family. We all went to Miss Westgate's restaurant. He still remembers that. That act of love meant everything to him. What you do today, the resources that you use for something greater than here and now will impact the lives of others when they have eternal value. They will, the things that, that, that we, that we do now are temporary, but these things that we store up in heaven will last and they'll never lose their value. We heard Jesus say to us today, don't store up treasures here on earth. 
where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. We talked about that. Where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. And if you would, if you're in the habit of marking up your Bible or if you have sermon notes, I would love you to underline in that, that scripture every time it says the word treasure. Everywhere it appears, underline the word treasure. And notice what Jesus is saying about treasure. He's saying either your treasure is in earth, don't store up your treasures in earth, or your, ter- your, he- your, 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 your treasure is in heaven. Either your treasure is in the earth, and this is where your heart is, or your treasure is in heaven, and that's where your treasure and your heart can be found. So what are you passionate about? What, what gets you excited? Is it accumulating more here and now? Or is it when you get the chance to make an internal impact in the lives of others and for even for your own sake? Either your treasure's in the earth where your heart and your heart will be there as well, or it's in heaven and that's where your heart is going to be. You can't do both. And Jesus closes this passage out remindings of that. He says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money and stuff. And so now we understand maybe why people have animosity towards God and his kingdom and even his church. Because you can't both treasure God and stuff. You're going to hate one and love the other. You're going to be devoted to one and not to the other. And so when people are living this temporary here and now life, they're not going to value or love what God's calling us to be and to do. I remember, I just want to close with this story. One of the most generous men I knew, his name was Jake. He was uh, in one of my churches. And and Jake was, uh, I'd say, very successful and, and well off. He loved collecting cars, had a lot of cars. And one day he came to my office in tears because he was reading this missions magazine and he saw this boy, he showed me the picture of this boy, this, this young black boy in Africa or somewhere who was starving so much that his stomach was bloated. And he just thought, I have all these cars in my garage, all these things I've accumulated. And there's this boy and others who are, or are starving. He said, Mark, I'm going to sell. I remember, he said, I'm going to sell my classic Corvette. And it was a classic Corvette. It was a wonderful car. I'm going to sell that, give the money to the Canada's Food Grains Bank so that uh, him and others can live. I'll never forget that story. In fact, I kept the picture and hung it on my office to remind me of the importance of doing today what matters in the lives of others forever. Not to accumulate and hold on to what I have, but how can I give it away? How can I invest it and use it to better the lives of others, especially when it comes to their relationship with God, to love them and eternally impact them. So let's take our our take two time today. Would you just be quiet before the Lord? Maybe evaluate some of the things that you're doing. Ask yourself that question, is there eternal value and all the work that I'm doing. Where is there eternal value in the work that I'm doing? Can you even say these things that I know are impacting the lives of others for God and for eternity? It might be a good uh, focus time, a good time of examination as you think about that. But let's take two, two minutes and listen to God and, and let's ask him. Let's hear what he says to us. I'm going to pray for you, Lord. <sighs> Thank you for being so honest, even blunt with us.
because if he weren't, we would deny death. We, we try to put it off and think it will never come. And yet, God, you want to prepare us for the rest of our lives in eternity. And Lord, we can so easily become so narrow-minded and focus on here and now in my world and my kingdom and my stuff. And one day we're going to regret that if we have never invested and stored up treasure in heaven. If we don't use what you've given us, these resources to make a difference in the lives of others, that they will one day live with you. I pray, God, that you would help us and teach us and reveal to us, even now in these two minutes, what we need to know in relation to what we are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m. and we look forward to seeing you soon and know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.